We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Worshiping with us online today, welcome. We're glad that you're tuning in. Glad you're a part of our our online service. Uh, if you're in a driving distance, though, uh, I'm going to tell you, you you want to be here. You just want to be here in person when you can. Now, with that said, I want us to uh, we're, we've got a couple more sermons left in this series on uh, the masquerade, and today I'm going to take on a topic called the mask the mask of spirituality, real or fake? Are we real or are we fake? And there is a mask of spirituality that people will wear, especially in church. We're bad about that. We'll come and we'll put on the mask of God, and we'll, we, we talk Jesus. Uh, I've got some family. They talk Jesus with the best of you, but they don't live for Jesus. They don't live for Jesus. There's a mask there, and that mask needs to come off. Um, I do want to kind of uh, reaffirm the, uh, what Jim said. Uh, we are in a time where we have to stand for the truth, but we have to love people. Love is the only thing going to let somebody open up to hear the truth of God's Word. Did you understand that? Hatred will never open doors to a heart. How many of you have ever had somebody hate you and you're like, I just love them? <laughs> Amen. The only one I know capable of that was Jesus. People hated him, but he loved them. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible says he hung out with publicans and sinners. Didn't mean he approved of it, but he loved them, amen? And they, they knew love. They knew his love. And this world's got to know the love of Jesus if we're going to reach them, if we're going to reach them. But that comes with the church knowing who it is. And so uh, Jim really didn't know where I was going this morning when he was sharing with me as we had our, our, our prayer before we came into the morning worship time. Uh, and he's sharing some of what he has, and so I just pulled my notes out, and I said, so you know it's already in the notes, so here we go. You ready? All right. Spirituality must be pure and true. As a matter of fact, fake spirituality will always be uncovered by the spirit of truth. God will always reveal when something is fake. Uh, it may take some time, but it will always, the truth will always come out. The truth of who we are. I remember as a kid, uh, especially when I got old enough to hang out with friends and to, to, to leave the house on my own, my, pom, my mom and dad would always quote a scripture to me, and it would just be simply this Be sure your sins will find you out. So, in other words, don't, you may hide it for a while, but eventually it's going to come to the surface. It's going, the real you is going to be revealed. As a matter of fact, I teased my class on Wednesday. Nights, I said, if you really want to know what's in your heart, again, then hurt yourself. You know, if you've ever hit your hand with a hammer, how many of you, what's in your heart comes out your mouth? Y'all are dead this morning. So I want everybody to stand to their feet. I'm not joking. Stand to your feet. Say, well, we all went and resting on Florida. I drove forever yesterday. I'm tired as can be. So I'm tired too. But I want you to, I want you to understand something this morning. We have the privilege to be in the house of God this morning, and we should be excited about that. Amen. We should be excited about that. 
We should get on fire about that. You have the privilege to worship Jesus this morning. All over this world is not the case. There are certain people in certain societies that would love to have this privilege that you and I have this morning. Let's not take for granted this great gift that God has given us of freedom on this Father's Day to worship the real Father who is in heaven. Somebody give him praise in this house. Amen. Now look at somebody as you're being seated again and say, if you amen him, he preaches faster and we can go to lunch. Amen. So let's try that again. True spirituality will raise to the surface. The mask of spirituality can only be covered or cover so much sin before that sin will reveal itself. What is true spirituality? It is not being, uh, it is not being a, a fake person who knows how to say amen when it's time to say amen, knows when to raise their hand at the right moments during the song. In other words, God is looking for those who will be honest and real with who they are and and where they're at because I'm here to tell you he would say to us this morning I would rather have you hot or cold but because you're lukewarm I'll spew you out of my mouth he's saying look I would rather have you on fire for me or dead cold because I can deal with those extremes but when you wear the mask that says everything is okay when everything is not okay God sees through it and he doesn't see through it with judgment he sees through it with tears, tearful eyes saying if you would only surrender the mask of spirituality I will fill your heart and your life with the truth of my spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit so that you can live a real and genuine relationship with your Father who is in heaven. He called you to be sons and daughters. He's ready for you to be real. Amen. How many of you parents in the room have ever had your kids tell you they're okay? They're wearing the mask of okay, but they're not. You see through it because you're a parent. You see through it because you know them. I want you to know your father knows us this morning. In Acts 19, verses 1 through 20, will be our anchor verses this morning. There's several there, so they're all going to be where we're anchoring in the Word this morning. And we're going to get to those in just a moment. But I want you to hear uh, that, that, that being real is, is a big deal in our world. As a matter of fact, Coca-Cola, their biggest, uh, uh, their biggest marketing ploy that they ever had was the real thing. In other words, we're going to be real. We're going to be genuine. We're going to be truthful. But then a few years, if some of you survived the 80s and lived through the 80s, they came out with something called New Coke. Anybody ever tried New Coke? Raise your hand. Amen. How many repented right after they tried New Coke? It was, it's watered down Pepsi is what it was. Watered down Pepsi. So they came out with New Coke. They weren't the real thing anymore. That stuff was nasty. Amen. There are people that are, are struggling today. There's, you know, counterfeit money is out there today. Counterfeit IDs. I won't ask how many had fake IDs in this room. Some of our younger ones are laughing. I'm wondering who's. Most recently, COVID-19 vaccination records. They, they busted one person for giving out fake records to people. Many, many years ago, the FBI realized they had to get smart, so they started employing counterfeiters to catch counterfeiters. In other words, faking the truth has become, become the norm for most people around us. We're in a struggle today, and if we don't realize it, real revival cannot come until we get real with God, until we begin to be honest with God. The greatest breakthrough you'll ever have spiritually is when you get honest at what your condition of your heart really is with Him. You're not going to have a move of the Spirit until that happens. In 2 Chronicles, the 12th chapter, 
And I'm going to just reference this as, to set us up this morning. Israel was dividing. Israel up to this point it only had three kings. King Saul, King David, and King Solomon. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, became the king of Judah. Rehoboam was an evil man. He was so evil that, he allow, he, uh, that God allowed the Egyptians to rob and trample the temple. Among the items that were stolen were the golden shields that God had instructed Solomon to make and place at the temple during worship. The golden shields represented God's standard for excellence in his house. In other words, I want you to think there was 300 golden shields that, that, that were made of gold that, that were stolen by the Egyptians during the reign of Rehoboam because he was so evil God allowed this to happen. Embarrassed by the Egyptians' defeat, Rehoboam had some of the craftsmen of, of, of Israel to, to make 300 new shields from brass, not gold, but from brass. Rehoboam knew that uh, knew the brass shields were a cheap imitation, but if these shields were polished every day, he could pass them off as the real thing. Have you substituted the real move of God in your life for something that's shiny and fake and not real? I want you to understand God is ready for you to be genuine. He's ready to remove the fake shields from the temple of God, from the house of God, and replace it with what is real and what is true and what is genuine. You see, the problem is because of the fakeness that has been all over church throughout generations, the devil has, has robbed us of some genuine things. In other words, the standards of truth have been compromised by so many in this hour that we can't see real revival. And I've got news for you. There is a generation that is, that is going through a massive identity crisis. But I want to remind you of who the author of confusion is. The author of, I'm going to just preach on this Father's Day. If you came for some fluffy be a good dad message, I got you every day, every Sunday I talk about being the man that you ought to be. But this morning I want to talk to you about being the church that you're supposed to be so that we can have revival in Chattooga County. I didn't come to build you up and, and fluff you up this morning. I came to tell you God's ready to move if we will get real. Mm. God's ready to tear down the fake brass shields that we put up to, 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 to try to fool people of who we really are. As a matter of fact, Paul would write about this later and say, there's a group of people that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of. He said, from such turn away. He says, get away from them. Get away from them. Acts 19, I want you to ask yourself, am I real or am I fake? Acts 19 verses 1 through 10. Let's read this. Paul's in Ephesus. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the island country and came to Ephesus. There he found the disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we, were not even, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you been baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, they, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak, uh, speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all, and he entered the synagogue and for three, day, or three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, 
The way being capitalized in your Bible was what they called the church at that time. Speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tenerius, and then continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek. I want you to understand that he, he comes upon these people who had been baptized in the baptism of John, but there was a problem with that. And that brings us to point number one. Is your salvation real or is your salvation fake? Paul met some of the disciples that had been baptized by John and they did not know anything about the Holy Spirit. They had been baptized by John the Baptist to show their repentance but had not trusted in, the, in, in Jesus as their Savior because they hadn't heard about this. And when they were saved, the Holy Spirit came on them and some were displayed spiritual gifts and they were, they were shown through them. Salvation is only found in Jesus. That's the point of this passage. It wasn't found in John the Baptist. It isn't found in Billy Graham. It's not found in a church or a denomination. It's not found in a religious or how religious you can be. It's not found in Pastor Phil. It's not found in, in Harvest Worship Center. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can set people free. What this world needs is a good old dose of Jesus. And if we'll start lifting him up, he'll start saving souls. That's not that these aren't great servants of the Lord. It's just Jesus is the one that washes sins away. Paul preached and taught about the gospel of Jesus in several locations for over two years. And some people were saved. But some were such trouble that they were so troubled by this that, they, that Paul left. I want you to notice that in verse 10, this continued for two years so that they were res the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek. It didn't say all were saved. It didn't say every one of them got right. It didn't say that, that everybody in, in this area gave their hearts to Jesus. Some heard the word but walked away from the word. I want you to understand something. People have it in their heads that great revival means that everybody that hears the word will respond and get right with the Lord. Some will walk away and leave. Some will reject the truth. But our job is not to, to, to uh, uh, pad the truth down so that we can get more people in the seat. Our job is to preach the truth in the love of God that they might have the opportunity to choose whether they want to serve the Lord or not. That's why you'll never hear me say, let's do a group prayer and you repeat after me and me declare you're saved if you said that prayer. I got news for you. Just because you say the prayer doesn't save your soul. Because if the Holy Spirit hasn't convicted you, those are just words. So if somebody stood over you and said, say these words, but there was no sorrow in your life for the sin in your life, I got news for you. You got some work to do with God this morning. He's ready to set you free for real and put you on the right path because only Jesus saves. Repeating some robotic prayer does not get you right. Does that mean everybody that's ever done that, is, nobody got saved? No. Because there were some that were truly convicted in their heart and meant every word that they prayed. But you see, it's not got to be my prayer for your repentance. It's got to be your prayer for your repentance. I can't do that praying for you. I can lead you, but I can't, I can't do it for you.
You and God are the only ones that know if you're saved or not. You may be doubting your salvation today. There's, I, I think everybody goes through those times. I will tell you that as a child of God, when I have doubts, and I have, about my salvation, I have, it is the Holy Spirit dealing with the sin that may be existent in my life at the present. So there may be things in your life that aren't right because somebody can told you a little dabble, do you? You say this prayer, you just go about your business, you're on your way to heaven. But if you've lived like the devil, then you feel distant from God this morning. I got news for you. God will still set you free. Amen? He will still set you free. All you got to do is come and say, Lord, I am sorry. for what... In other words, I just, I'm going to just put it out here this way. Everybody in this room, including me, you lived a perfect life this past week. I'm not raising my hand. You treated everybody nice. You loved everybody. You didn't say nothing cross. You didn't say nothing ugly. Some of us drove on the interstate, and I know better. <laughs> Amen. Number two. Is your spiritual identity real or fake? Acts 19, verses 11 through 16, and God was doing extraordinary, extraordinarily miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons had been, uh, touched the, that touched their skin and were carried away to the sick with their diseases, the, the, to the sick, the, and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. When we live during a time that is struggling where if you even say the word identity, it can cause a fight. I told you these were in the notes before Jim talked to me. The word identity is a struggle right now. You say the word identity, you're going to get fights started in our, in our society. There are a couple of sayings that, 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 that uh, there, there are a couple of groups saying that they don't want babies' gender to be determined on their birth certificate. Let them make up their minds later. There are, there are male athletes that are wanting to compete in the Olympics as women and vice versa. I want to make it clear what the Bible has to say and the Word of God does have something to say about identity this morning. There are two genders, male and female. He made them male and female, not in between. Your biology determines who you are, not your brain. There are two types of spiritual identity. There is the saved and the unsaved. Just like there's two identities in the physical, there's two identities in the spiritual. You're either saved or unsaved. You're not in between. You're either right or you're wrong. There is no gray area. You're either living like you should or you're living like you shouldn't. The good news is if you recognize you're living like you should, praise God because there's come a time when you're going to be challenged to live like you shouldn't. But if you're living like you shouldn't this morning, there's good news for you. His grace is in this room. His love is in his, this room. His forgiveness is in this room. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the saving, redeeming grace of God that is ever present in my life. So thankful for that. Paul was being used by God in, a, in such a miraculous way that even things that had touched his skin were being laid upon the sick and they were being healed and demons were being cast out. Since God was using Paul so much, there were seven sons of the chief priests who wanted to perform miracles just like Paul did. 
They didn't even try to identify themselves as Christians. They were attempting to cast out demons in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached. I want you to look at this with me. In other words, they were, uh, they were comparing themselves with Paul. They were saying, hey, we're, we're the sons of the priest, so we compare ourselves. We're holy men, therefore he's a holy man because we know what God's doing. We're going to do what Paul did. Now, I want to share something with you this morning. One of the things that is crippling our identity is us comparing ourselves with other people, especially in the household of faith. We've got to stop that mess because it's going to destroy us emotionally, spiritually, and ultimately physically we're going to suffer for it because you and I were created to be unique in the eyes of God. The Bible declares this morning that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God. There's not another you in this world. There's not another another me in this world. Aren't you thankful for that one? There's not another person like you or me. God made you unique. He made you special the way you are. Identify yourself in Christ. Be who he's called you to be and quit trying to be something you're not. Amen. You'll be miserable if you keep living that way. You'll never be that way. You'll never keep up with the next person if you're constantly comparing yourselves to them. Comparing ourselves one to another will cripple us from being the true son or daughter that God has called us to be. I'm thankful for my son and I'm thankful for my daughter and I'm glad they're both different and unique in their own ways. That's what keeps the family interesting. <laughs> Amen. Any of you parents got some interesting things in your home? Because they'll have similarities, but they're different because God made them that way. Verse 13 says, Then some, some of the inerrant Jews, exorcists, undertook to invoke the name of Je the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the name of Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. Oh, my goodness. And Paul, I recognize. But who are you? In other words, they were in an identity crisis that was about to cost them dearly. I want you to understand something this morning church we got to quit worrying about the flesh and blood battle that some of us are fighting and start taking this on a spiritual plane we wrestle not against flesh and blood your battle is not a person your battle is a demonic power of this world that is then unleashed to question the identity of people but also the identity of who you are in Christ I'm going to tell you who you are your blood bought sanctified blood washed child of God spirit filled you've been anointed for a purpose. You've been anointed for a calling and I'm going to say it again like I did a few weeks ago. Fight, 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 fight. God's tired of wimpy believers. Get up and fight the devil. You tired of the devil in your home? Fight it. Quit fighting the person. Start fighting the spirit. I wish my husband quit drinking and Acting crazy, fight the spirit of alcoholism in your home and drunkenness in your home. Quit fighting them, love them, and fight the devil. There's only one thing you're justified to hate in this world, and that is the devil. Fight. Well, if, I, if I'm not careful, I'll run them off. That's because you're fighting them and not fighting the devil. You hear me? 
fight the devil. These sons of Sceva, they came and they said, we cast you out in the name of, uh, of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Some of us, if we were challenged by the devil this morning in who we are, we would not be able to identify who we are. You know what happened to these men? What was to be a spiritual fight became a physical fight because the Bible says the Spirit leaped upon them and beat the living daylights out of them. That's the redneck version of the Bible. Beat the living daylights out of them. I'll give you another, the Greek translation of that, whooped them. Anybody ever got a whooping? Some of us are taking a beating in our minds and in our spirits because we are not fighting the real enemy because we don't know who we are in Christ. You're a warrior. You were called to be a soldier. And it is time for us to be the soldiers that God has called us to be. You're not happy with the way things are going? How are you, how are you addressing it? Are you addressing it by complaining or are you addressing it on your knees? Because I got news for you. Anybody ever had a complaining session with God? It only lasts for so long before you get to feeling foolish. <laughs> I'm serious. You ever go out to God about things? And before long, Lord, you just don't know what I'm going through. And I think Jesus is going, what? I don't know what you're going through. No, he don't know. He was the son of God. He was beaten and bruised. He was not even recognizable as a man so that you and I should know the power and the love of God. I want you to understand, he knows what you're going through. He knows what you faced in your life. He knows what you're facing right now. He knows the pain that you're going through and you can bring it all to him. But I've got news for you. It may be like me. I, got, I get a complaining session with God sometimes. I'll start complaining about what's not going right here and what's not going on right there and this is going on and that's going on and all of a sudden, I hear silence and I'm like well where are you at God well when you're done griping about those things which you cannot change why don't you turn to the one that can change the only thing that really matters and that is the condition of your heart I want you to know God has never changed circumstances for me but he's always changed me addressing the circumstances sometimes the problem is me come on look at somebody beside you and say sometimes the problem is you So that's okay because sometimes the problem's me. The Bible says that, verse 16, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and mastered all of them, overpowering them so that they fled out of the house. This is pretty embarrassing naked and wounded. It's bad enough to get a whooping, but you get your clothes beat off of you? That's a pretty bad whipping. I want you to think about that. That's what the Bible says. They got beat so severely when they left the house, they were naked and wounded. All because they were trying to battle in the name of somebody they didn't know. They were trying to fight the devil in the back. Some of us are losing a spiritual fight because we don't know in whom we believe. We're not trusting in whom we believe. 
We, we say we know it. I'm here to tell you, peel the mask off and be real with God this morning. And you'll find power. Verse 17, it says, And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Boy, that's embarrassing. Now, it's bad enough that you got beat so bad your clothes got beat off of you. And you're naked running in the streets. But now everybody knows what's happened. Let me take you back to your childhood, some of you. Anybody ever got a fight in school and lost? And then word got out? I heard so-and-so kicked your butt. Well, I'm just talking like a kid would talk. Except sometimes they don't use those words. I heard you got a whipping. I heard they tore you up good. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Oh, I know we live in the day of lawsuits. and Back when I was a kid, the coaches would put a pair of gloves on you and let you punch it out. That was wrong. Well, I didn't have no schools shot up either. These kids are aggressive. I want you to hear me. We got to, have, we got to, we got to fight the right battle. And this came become known to all the residents of, the, of the Ephesus, both the Jews and the Greeks, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord was extolled or lifted up. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic, magical arts brought their books together and burned them in, all the sight of all, or in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and, focused, and found it came out to 50,000 pieces of silver. I want you to think about that. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mighty. You see, the devil thought that he was going to be lifted up by this. You see, these men who thought they could preach the name of Jesus, I beat them up. I took care of them. But God flipped the tables on them and said, you know, the problem is if these men had really known Jesus, it would have been the other way around. And fear came on the people, and the people began to get right where they had heard the word and resisted. Now all of a sudden they're coming, and they're bringing their witchcraft and their books on witchcraft. 50,000 pieces of silver worth and burn it in the streets. Why? Because revival had come to Ephesus because God was proving that if you really know who you are, I will do a mighty work among you. I wonder what would happen if the church grabbed hold of who they really should be. If we grabbed hold of our true identity, what God could do in us. Verse 15 again says, But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? The enemy did not know who they were. And the demon-possessed man jumped on them and he beat them up. And beat them so bad he beat their clothes off. If you think about your battle, you can battle the enemy because of someone else's relationship or, or through someone else's relationship. But if you don't truly know Jesus, you're not going to win. I thank God for a mom and dad that fear the Lord. I thank God for parents that love Jesus. But there's going to come a time in your life, listen to me, where you're not going to be able to borrow somebody else's relationship to fight the battle that you're in the middle of. You're going to have to fight the battle on your own. You better know him for yourself. You better know who you are in him because there's going to come a day when I'm not going to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, Bob and Minnie, fight for me and Tina. We're in the middle of a fight. We need you to help us pray 
there's going to come a day when I'm not going to have access to anybody but Jesus. I better know him for who he is and know who I am in him. You understanding me, church? I'm thankful for prayer groups. I'm thankful for our social media groups where we can say, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. That's great. But if all that went away, where would you be? If it was just you, would you have a relationship with God to fight the battle that you're in the middle of? Here's the answer. You should. You should. It's great to have those praying with us, but we ought to be to a place and striving to be at a place where if I don't have access to anybody else, because, see, I may find myself in a situation where I can't get a phone call out or a text out. All I can do is call on the name of the Lord. Anybody ever been in that, that situation? You didn't have access to anybody else. I was in a whitewater raft that got flipped over, and I got in the undertow of a Class 4 rapid. My life jacket got ripped off. I, had, I couldn't yell out if I wanted to. I was under the water, but I was thinking and praying in my mind, and I said, Jesus, you have to help me right now. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I felt a rope, and a guy had thrown it from on the shore, and I pulled out of the undertow. If that's news for mom and dad, I'm sorry. I'm just now telling you that. So. There's going to be situations where you don't have access to people. But aren't you thankful you always, Danny, we got access to the king. I got access to the father if I know who I am in Christ. We're almost done. Number three, is your reverence for God real or fake? When the people in Ephesus heard about what had happened, they were afraid, and many times in the Scripture they were told to fear the Lord. Notice that it says that they held the name of Jesus in high honor. To fear God and to hold Him in high honor means to have reverence with Him. So they reverenced Him, but because of this, many people were saved, and they realized, hey, I still got things in my life that are not right. Some of us, we give our hearts to Jesus, but we're still playing with things that we need to lay at the altar and let God's Holy Spirit burn up. Many in the church of Ephesus, or the people in Ephesus, had committed and held in reverence the name of God, but when, when, when the true source of evil was revealed, all of a sudden, repentance, the spirit of repentance came, and they said, you know what? There's things I've been hiding. There's a mask I have of religion, and I'm going to pull it away because there's witchcraft in my life. There's things in my life that's wrong. You see, Ephesus was filled with idolatry. It was filled with witchcraft. It was filled with those who worshiped at different temples of different gods. And so they had gave it, they had honored Jesus for what he did, but they were still holding on to some of those things that God said you need to let go of and be set free. I want you to know if you want God to really move in your life, some of us need to get real with God and say, okay, there's some things I've held back from the cross. I need to lay at the feet of Jesus this morning there's some things I've held back there's some things I've been doing that aren't right and I need to give them to God not because Pastor Phil says I do I need to do that but because the Holy Spirit is telling me I need to do that 
you want a real relationship with him, then you've got to get real with him. And that's pull away the mask of religion. Because of this, many people begin to get saved, get rid of things, lay things aside. Our last verse tells us that the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Ask yourselves this question. Real or fake? I want my life to be genuine. I want my life to be real. Because I need the real, genuine move of God in my life. How about you? But we can mask it. This is for those who serve in leadership in this church. Just because you stand on a stage or stand in a classroom or hold a position of ministry does not mean you hold the power of God where you need to hold it in your life. Position does not bring power. Title does not bring privilege. And you can fake people. I can, you know what? You can fake people out. You can fake me out. I'm not that hard to fake out. But you will never fake God out. What would happen with genuineness flowing through our ministries? Real, genuine, honest with God and with ourselves. Maybe we would begin to see the word of God spread in Chattooga County like it never has before. But we have to remove the mask and say, okay, here I am. Lord, love me the way I am, but change me because I want to be more like you. Will you stand? I want to go back to this word identity in this altar call. How can we lead people to know their true identity in Christ if we don't know our own? And if you think coming to church is being a Christian, and that's what it means to be a Christian, I'm going to challenge you today that it's not. I don't come to church to be a Christian. I come to church because I'm a Christian. I don't pray because I'm a Christian. I pray, or, or, or pray to be a Christian. I pray because I'm a Christian. I don't read the Word of God to be a Christian. I read the Word of God every day because I'm a Christian. And I want to know His Word. I don't worship so that you can see and say, Wow, look at His worship. He must really love Jesus. I worship like nobody's watching because he is. And he's worthy of it. A real, genuine move of God is a repentance away in your life. And we get scared to death as Christians of the word repentance. Because we're afraid with it brings judgment. 
that if I come forward to say, hey, I need to repent of some stuff, then they're already going to be labeling what stuff it is. Who cares what people think if the power of God is present in my life? Because I want to know, I want you to know something. There's some people I know that need to be set free. I got family that needs to be set free. And they're not looking at Pastor Phil or the title I hold or position I am in. They're looking to be set free and they need something real. When I come to them, they're not looking saying, there is my so-and-so, he's the pastor. They're looking saying, that's Phil. They don't need a bunch of pomp covering. They need something real and genuine and honest with them. Somebody that can say, I've struggled with sin just like you've struggled with sin. But His grace has been present. His love has been present in my life. We lived in a confused generation. And I will agree with one more thing Jim said. Because I'm backing him up in what he said. Don't, don't, you know, ends this up, let's about it. devil fights the hardest those he fears the most he must really fear this generation because he's fighting to destroy there are people struggling with this very issue of pride right now that I held as babies on this stage and I refuse to take my hands off of them and give them over to Satan. I refuse to say I don't love them. I refuse to reject them. I'm going to love them. But guess what? I'm going to hold the standard of truth as well. It is a tough road to hoe. It is a tough life. Because we are so afraid that love means acceptance. Let me just ask you this. How many of you, when you got saved, you knew Jesus loved you, but you knew he was not going to accept your life the way it was? But did you question his love for you? No, his love is what grew you. And when I preach on different subjects, I want you to tell you, no matter what you title it, it's all just sin. We want to make it, this is more wicked than that. All of it is sin, and all of it, you say, well, I don't participate in what they do. I don't do what they do, but do you lie? Because the Bible says all liars have their part in the lake of fire. Does that mean hell's going to burn less for the liar? It's not going to hurt as bad? No. Come on, folks. Sin is the problem problem we got is we're titling it and it's sin that's keeping us away from God this morning I wonder if there's anybody in this room and if it makes you feel better I'm going to let you in on something I did a little repenting this morning myself what? yep right there in my office I said God there's some things I want to bring to the cross this morning 
that you have revealed to me and showed me. And Lord, I want to, I want to give them to you. And you know what? Amazing enough, he loved me and forgave me and set me free. I wonder if there's anybody that wants a move of God in their house. It's time to repent. Oh, please say it a different way and I'll come. No, I won't. Repentance is the key to revival. Repentance is the key to a move of God. Repentance is the key to seeing the power of the Spirit move and set people free. Repentance is the key. I wonder if anybody else wants to come and say, you know what, there's some things I need to repent of this morning. There's some things I need to lay at the feet of Jesus this morning. Come on, there's some others in this room. Don't wait on somebody else. Just move right now. Just move right now. Move right now. Maybe you've got a spirit in you, an attitude in you. You're saying, right now, I just need to give it to Jesus. I just need to lay it at the cross. There's some things I need to be set free of. I can think of no better time than right now. Come on, church. Come on, church. Maybe some of us need to get free of some that spirit of comparison. We're always comparing things, comparing ourselves to someone else, comparing our life to somebody else's life. God's saying, I want to set you free this morning. Will you come? Will you come? Oh, there's room. We can move this way. We can move this way. We can move that way. We can find a place at this altar this morning. Come on, there's others in this room. You need to come. You need to come. You need to come. You need to come. Repentance will bring revival. We'll challenge our dads in this room. How many of you want revival in your family? Fathers, it starts with you. Repent. And see your your family experience revival. Come on. There's some others. You hold back. You need to move right now. We'll ask some of our intercessors to come and help pray with these this morning. Come on.
spoke to mountains and they've not moved. I'm, I'm being honest, okay? I told you I, I, I can't lead you where I'm not willing to go myself. So I'm being honest. I've spoke to some mountains in my family's life and in situations and I'm like, God, you said this. Why is the mountain not moving? And then the, the thought that came to me was when I was a little boy, you know, Dad was a superhero to me. And you ever seen two little kids fighting and they begin to talk about my daddy beat up your daddy? You know, that kind of thing. They get kind of... The mountain doesn't move because I say so. 
but because my daddy says so. Some of us need to realize that what I'm speaking is reaffirming what he has spoken. Listen to me this morning. Some of us are speaking to mountains and we're speaking in our own power and our own might and our own strength and we're still facing the same stuff. The mountain doesn't move because Phil says so or anybody else in this room says so. The mountain moves because my father has said so. And I'm reaffirming what my father says. Guess what? Devil, my daddy can beat you up. Come on. So if you're facing a mountain in this room, I just want you to take a moment. I want you to just begin to praise God because your father says so. Amen. Your father says so. Your father says so. Hallelujah. I know this isn't your typical Father's Day message, but I'm going to tell you something. I, I just believe that times are so pressing. We can do ceremony another time. We need presence. We need God. We need godly fathers. Come on. You say, you just don't understand. I want my husband, I want my father to be a godly father, my husband to be a godly husband. I want to share something with you. Remember who the target is. It's hard. It's hard because we are flesh, and we want to see that fleshly thing, and we want to punch it something that's been reaffirmed in my household over the last few months, something my wife's reaffirmed many times, is we are not in a physical fight. We are fighting a spiritual fight. As long as we fight in the flesh, we'll leave the house wounded and naked. But you know, they said Paul wasn't much to look at. That's the way they described him. I think of this guy, you know, maybe he's like me, severely nearsighted. I love it when people say, I saw you in the service looking at me. If I have my glasses off, I don't see nobody. A bunch of blurs. And with these spotlights, I don't see you anyway. But I think of Paul going in, squinting. Somebody said he had bad eyes. I don't know. We'll find out when we get to heaven. Weak in stature. He, by his own confession, said, I'm not a very eloquent speaker. We knew he was long-winded, took four hours to preach, killed a boy and raised him from the dead, all in one service, and then went back to preaching. But what I do gather from what we read this morning is where he wasn't much to look at in the flesh. Oh, my goodness, what a giant warrior he was in the spirit. And he wasn't a warrior in the spirit because he knew the word. That's part of it. He was a warrior in the spirit because he knew who his father was. He knew who he was in Christ. And so he says, I don't come at you with excellency of speech, but I come to you in the demonstration of the word and the power and the spirit. I come in his name. Some of us got to start coming at some situations differently. I don't know who this is for in the room, but you're coming at it in the flesh and you're losing. You're losing. You're defeated in your mind. You're defeated in your body. You're defeated in your spirit because you're punching at a physical, fleshly target. 
It's time to get on your knees and fight like a man. Get on your knees and fight like a woman. Be the woman and man of God that he has called you to be and watch mountains be removed. Watch captives be set free. Watch situations that hasn't changed in years begin to change. Why? Because your father says so. Because your father says so. I love you. I hope you have an awesome Father's Day, all the daddies in the room. God needs you to step up and fight. But fight against the right thing. Amen, amen. You hear me? There we go. Praise God. Is that a good word? Let's, let's give God, God just a, okay, there we go. Praise God. He's so good. I just want to say also happy Father's Day, all the fathers, you know. Praise God. Uh, I think, yeah, we were going to do a, uh, the raffle for that. Does somebody have that? You got it? Okay, let's go ahead and do that real quick. Can I get a couple of ushers up here too? All right. Praise God. The winning ticket. All right. Nope. A little too small. Okay. 844-7291. Last four numbers. Anybody? Anybody? There we go. All right. Praise God. Let me just run over these announcements real quick. Uh, Man Cave Tuesday night, 630. Uh, men, don't miss it. Man, pastor wants to do a frosty night. He said he's going to make frosties for the men, so don't miss that. That's going to be good. Wednesday night, uh, worship in the Word, 7 p.m., and there will be a, a, a forward meeting following the classes. Uh, um, and then a reminder, June 22nd and 24th is a forward conference. And uh, there will be no youth hangout on July 1st because they're doing the, we'll be doing the church celebration on uh, July 2nd for the July 2nd, 4th, for, for, the, for the July 4th, yeah. So, amen. All right, let, amen. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Your word has gone forth, Father. I just thank you, Lord, for miracle signs and wonders to follow it. That's what your word says. So we just declare that to go forth over, over what you... We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.